beverage? Give me a uh, liter of cola. A what? A liter of cola. Liter of cola. Do we make liter of cola? Well, you just order a large farva. I don't want a large farva. I want a goddamn liter of cola. I don't know what that is. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I am your host, Jeff. And I'm the other host, Jake. And today we have our guest, Megan, is back. Hello, thanks for having me back on, guys. Yeah, for Megan sure. was on episode seven, Three Muggles, a Harry Potter special, where we nerded out on Harry Potter. We're going to do the same thing again. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. Nice joke, Jake. Nobody um, wa- I don't, I don't, yeah, probably nobody wants to listen to that again. No. Harry Potter? Yeah. I mean, it's a special episode. If people want to listen, they can. That's there true. were some Harry Potter fans that just listened to that episode. Was there? Instead of the other ones. Yeah. And oh, my okay. family who were like, oh, that sounds great. I want to listen to that. So All right. it's some people's wheelhouse. Not everybody's, but whatever. Sure. Um, Today, we, Jake, you had an article that you sent both of us. Yes. Megan and I. And yes. we read it. I read half of it. But <laughs> listen, I come prepared 99% of the time. Where's your duck call? Uh, it's at home. Oh, man. <laughs> I know I plugged that, and I text Jeff on the way here, and I was like, hey, I forgot that. I'd already spun her. I'd already turned around on the- Did on, you? I drove by the same cop three different times <laughs> on the freeway, so I bet he was wondering what the um, heck I was doing. You, didn't, you know what you text me? <laughs> That's why I, I was called do, I was you. using talk to I text, tell. so I have no idea what I said. This is what it you. says. Hey, I forgot Mike is false. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Mm. And then you said, I'm going to run home real quick and then and get them. I might be about 10 minutes later. I could just do it next week. And I had no <laughs> idea Mike well, no. is false. <laughs> so I called you. Well, Mike is false. I mean, let's, let's be honest Yeah, Mike here. is false. Mike is false. I agree with that. Um, I don't know, Mike. Do you know Mike? Holy crap. This is episode 26. It is episode 26. Halfway through the year. Yeah, that's half a year. I just really I had it in my notes, and I'm like, I forgot that that's what this So was. those of you who are still listening, we really appreciate it. Yeah, um, because this episode was a pain to set up. We've been sitting here for an hour for me trying to... Has it really been that long? An hour and a half, maybe, <laughs> of me trying to figure out what is going on wrong with my equipment. It's just being a pain today. Um, but I got new equipment, and we're using that now, and hopefully it all works well. Yes. I did some sound checks, so... Hopefully. Hopefully you're listening to this. Yeah, just a couple of sound checks. Yeah, just Jake, will you, can, will you say uh, check my real quick? I will refuse <laughs> to say check. <laughs> um, I have some stories for you guys that I wanted to tell you real quick. Um, So, uh, sometimes for dinner, Jen and I will do, uh, like, you know those, like, rotisserie chickens you get from, like, Costco? Or, like, Freddy's, or oh, yeah. sometimes they'll have them at the grocery store. So, we usually go to Costco... And um, we went to Freddy's because we had to get some other things, and it's a one-stop shop. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we go in there, and we grab this chicken, a bag of chicken. I'm like, grab this one. This is like the biggest chicken, and we always eat leftovers for later, for later meals. So um, we get the chicken. We get it home, and I'm like trying to like pick it out of the bag, the chicken off the actual chicken. It's just a pain. So I'm like, get, grab a plate. I'm just going to lift this whole chicken out and put it on the plate. So we do, and we're we're like picking, and there's hardly – any meat on this chicken there's like none 
I'm like scraping to barely get like the legs are there and I'm kind of getting some. Was it like one of those Cornish game hens? Uh, that's what I thought. I thought like, did I just get some like organic chicken that is like, <laughs> I want some hormonal chicken that's beefed up. This is the worst. Chicken so on steroids. We, we kind of, we're eating our salad and kind of barely picking at the chicken. And I was just like, I'm just going to focus on the salad and just, this chicken sucks. So afterwards Jen was like do you want me to like pick the rest off that I can and like put it in for lunch tomorrow for you I was like honestly it's not even worth it just throw it away and she was like yeah okay wait we had the chicken upside down so all the breast meat was <laughs> on the bottom <laughs> and we had no idea so we have it's the the upside down chicken story. Upside down oh, chicken story. It's the it was so dumb because <laughs> you flip it over and there's two like all meaty breasts of chicken and I'm barely scraping like the rib so meat. Break this, break this down for okay. me. Okay, like, how is it packaged? Like, how do you miss a chicken being upside down? That's what I can't figure they out. They put it in the bag upside down, and I just lifted it out of the bag upside down. Okay, well, so normally, like, they have, like, the chicken, and then... Dude, the, has, best, like, hold and, on. It, the best part is Jen goes, this chicken doesn't even look anatomically correct. <laughs> <laughs> because it was upside down. <laughs> yeah. 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 So she, she's like, we can't tell anybody, so naturally I have to tell everybody. <laughs> when did this happen? Last week sometime. Oh, really? It was <laughs> after we recorded last week's okay. episode, but embarrassing. Yeah. Um, well, last so. week, this time was... When did we record our Thanksgiving episode? Oh, when did we... Wednesday? Wednesday, Yeah, okay. so the day. So, oh, when was it? That's weird. Maybe it was that night. Are we two weeks removed from Thanksgiving? One. 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 Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, another story real quick is I was watching the Apple Cup. Sorry to get into sports, Megan. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what the Apple Cup is? Yes. Okay, I'm just I'm just making sure. I don't know what we all went to WSU. Of course, we know what the deal. She's like they threw the ball well. I don't know. I was joking. So we're watching it passively because I think there was a Blazer game on as well. There's also a Blazer game that was not going. Flipping back and forth between games. Neither game was going well for our teams. Um, and so. I was like, I had the, the Apple Cup on, and I went up front to grab something, and I came back, and the game was paused. And the score was 21 them to, we were down by five. Okay. So, if we scored a touchdown, we'd be up by one. Uh-huh. So, I come back, and Jen has the game paused. And I'm like, what's going on? And she goes, oh, somebody scored. I thought, I figured you wouldn't want to miss it. And I'm like, what? Like, now... The Cougs are going to be in the lead. Like, hell yes. And she's like, yeah, I was. I didn't want you to miss it. I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh, so I, I guess it's the 80-yard rip by Gaskin. So I press play, and it's them scoring. <laughs> it was at the 80-yard touchdown yes! from Gaskin? Yeah, that was a backbreaker. I'm like, why would you do that? Because it was like, thir- <laughs> it was like third down, too, and you're thinking, okay, Cougs are going to be on a short yes. field after a punt. They're going to go back down. They're going to score and take the lead. Nope. I didn't even Miles watch Miles Gaskin. Yeah, dude, that game was a mess. But I just said, why... Why would you pause that to show me that? She was like, well, I thought you wanted to see if, the, if someone scored. No, not them. And she was like, you're being mean. And I'm like, I just can't believe you like built me up like that. Like, yeah. I, I paused it for you. And I'm like thinking this is going to be so great. It was not great. No. Oh. So 
That was funny. She told me not to tell that story, but because I was like, why? Why? She's like, you're acting like an asshole. <laughs> like, I was just out. I was just like, I couldn't believe, like, oh, just the emotional, like, high just to drop for that, that 80 yard run to just mm-hmm. watch them score. I'm like, oh, just, oh, I, it was over. Everything anyways. was crushed at that point. Um, Megan, have you been listening to our podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Do you like it? Yeah. Okay. I've been listening. I I didn't listen for a few weeks and then I had to catch up and yeah. I, I think I've a, listened to every episode. Wow. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot. We we had a thing. We lost a few a few listeners in like the fifteen to like twenty range. Oh really? I don't know what was going on there, but hmm. looks looking at our like our listening yeah list what, viewership right. It definitely took a little dip, but yeah. we're on the rise. Back up. Okay. We hit a trough. Always on the rise. Now we're on the rise. That's Megan not listening, and now she's listening. <laughs> again, so we're going back up. It was all me, guys. <laughs> uh, I had a question. Did you take Tucker hunting? Well, okay. So it wasn't really like a hunting trip. Okay, I saw it a was, picture, and I, I was wondering. Well, we took him down to our lease on Thanksgiving, but it was more just to like my dad cooks breakfast in the blind. Like he has like this grill out there that he like makes breakfast, and then That's we just freaking stand awesome. There. There's no ducks flying. I would have shot if there had been ducks flying, but there wasn't. Oh, okay. Hunting season has been garbage this year. Mm. Absolutely oh. garbage. I was just wondering because yeah. you guys had posted about it. Um, did you want to share your embarrassing story today? I don't. You don't? I don't. Why? I don't know. It's just, I think I might have oversold how funny <laughs> the story is. <laughs> I don't know. But that's very much you, so let's hear it. All right. So the story <laughs> happens... When I'm, I was a senior in high school, and okay. it was close to graduation. And me and my friends had an infatuation with Muchos Gracias, which I think is about every high school student Ooh. does, at least at Bay, because it's right down the road from the school on, okay. on Mill Mil Plain. Yeah, right there. So, Do you like Muchos, <sighs> Megan? No. Yeah. Not at all, dude. I sometimes I'll be like YOLO, and I'll get it and regret it, and never and won't do it for years. How were you guys just eating that? I've gone twice ever. Ever? Yeah. It's like once you go, you're like, no, nope, I, I learned. And then you like, maybe I'll give it another try. And you regret <laughs> it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I always get I get the same thing. It's just their five rolled tacos. It's like oh, yeah, yeah. Rolled yeah, tacos I mean, that's, are bomb. Yeah, though. that's not like, okay, I'm not getting like their Oregon burrito, which yeah, tastes yeah. like cardboard. Oh. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, so we're obsessed. at Muchos Gracias. Yeah. And anybody who's talked to me for a long period, like a period of time knows that I, I kind of stutter a lot. Okay. You know how Is that I, a thing? I think so. Like I, st- I will start talking and then I like want to switch a word right in the middle of like I'll be saying something right and I'll start mm-hmm. to say a word but I'll think of a better word. Okay. And then I'll try to substitute that mid sentence. Oh, like when, it, mm-hmm. when we were recording, when we were recording uh, to the Republic, he did that. He did exactly that and he said fart on accident so then i like cut the that exact this, this the exact same thing happens to me in this story and just, i just looped it so he's going fart 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 <laughs> fart 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 oh fart. my gosh That's okay good. so we're we get up there and i'm gonna order <laughs> and i order my number one and right. i wanted to get a large soda uh-huh well i was gonna say but i wanted to be more well i used to say pop all the time kylie right. switched me to saying soda i say soda okay, okay. what do you say i soda i think you I don't think? normally drink it, so soda. I wish I yeah, didn't drink soda. soda. I drink soda. way too much of it. Okay. Anyway, so oh, I, was, I, I bought I, a bunch of vanilla Coke after you were talking to me about it. By the way, it's isn't it the it's best? So good. It's I didn't the best. Know they continued to make it. Yeah, van- <laughs> vanilla Coke with a club sandwich. <laughs> My Barbie mom called court. me and was like, "You and Jake are so adorable. The way you unite over club sandwiches." 
<laughs> Go anyway, ahead. So, all right. So, I used to say pop all the time. Kylie's uh-huh. converted me to saying soda. I don't say pop anymore, probably because right. I'm so like traumatized over this event. But I was <laughs> going to be more specific, so I wanted to say Coke. So, Coke and pop. Dude, you're knocking that mic every time you do that. Am I? <laughs> yeah. Hers. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. right. She's not on a on a <laughs> boom. Uh, so anyway, so I wanted to say pop, okay. but I was going to be more specific and say Coke. Uh-huh. And somehow it came out cock. I <laughs> ordered a large cock at Muchos Gracias. <laughs> a large cock? Yes. Yeah, so my oh two, my two, my my, my two best friends are standing right behind me, and they still have not let me live this oh down. I, I literally said to the to the person taking my order, <laughs> a number one like, with no a stutter, but it was clear, <laughs> like oh, a yeah. large cock. Oh yeah. Oh my god. And she's busting up laughing, and yeah. I'm like, and I was like, oh my, like, oh man, I hope she doesn't like <laughs> sound super Give racist. Give you a large but- cock. <laughs> Just goes getting the gale out of the bag. Oh, <laughs> I don't think you oversold the story. <laughs> no. Oh my That's god. Good. So I just walk. I just grab my cup. <laughs> she must have known what I was talking about. I was yeah. hoping like maybe she doesn't speak that good English. Oh so. wow. <laughs> no, she knew what you said. <laughs> she knew what I said. So yeah, that was my my. Uh, I ordered a large oh, cock. I wish I was there. I can't imagine your face. And dude. I go red on the drop of a dime oh, anyway. Yes. So you could just imagine how embarrassed I was. Holy crap! Um, it's a wonder you ever spoke again. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, dude! You, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's that's my problem. Always trying to like substitute words mm-hmm, in mid sentence, mm-hmm. and it it got me on that time. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. Uh, I don't really have embarrassing stories. Um, one thing that I am kind of like self-conscious about is like <laughs> the way I smell and I don't know oh, if that's too, weird. Dude. Are you? Sorry. So when I was a kid, I was on the bus on the way to school and this uh, bully just dumped a bunch of cologne on me, like oh. a bunch. So then when I went to school, I, s- I stunk. It was like too much. And everyone's like, dude, you stink, you stink, you stink. And I was so embarrassed for the... I remember, like, going to the bathroom and, like, trying to, like, wash my skin off because I stunk so bad. Mm -hmm. And then another time, this was, like, in middle school, I used to go to skate church all the time. Do you guys know what that is? It's, like, this this church. Is it, like, cowboy church? (laughs) Right down the road? Yeah. Yeah, there's cowboy church. There's a pokey stop there. (laughs) Is there really? what that is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Do they just go there, dress as... Oh, I guess we know, none of us know what that we is. Well, so what's Skate Church? So Skate Church was uh, this church in Portland, southeast Portland. Um, and they have they had two massive skate parks built on the property. And you would go and you would skate for an hour. And then you would all you skaters would get in a room together and they would do like church for a half hour. Mm-hmm. And then you'd go and skate for another hour. Okay. It was That's awesome. Cool. So um, I went camping. And I was coming home on a Monday and Skate Church was, or I was coming home on Tuesday. Skate Church was only on, always on Tuesday mm-hmm. night for my age group. So I was like, Mom, I got to get home. I got to get my board. I want to go skate. And so she's like, yeah, fine. So I just grabbed my board and went to Skate Church. Well, I hadn't changed from camping that day. So I smelled like campfire. And everybody was like, bro, are, are you smoking weed? Like, do you have a problem? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, dude, when did you start smoking? Like, everybody started just, like, jumping on me. And I couldn't figure it out. And then when I went home, I was like, wait. And then I realized that I smelled like campfire. Mm-hmm. So everybody, like, I kept, like, trying to, like, tell him, like, what are you guys talking about? So I'm really self-conscious about, like, 
do I stink? They must <laughs> not have ever smelled weed because weed and campfires do not smell different. like. It's not like, even close. Well, and then somebody's telling you you smell like weed. It's like, do I smell like a skunk? Like because that's yeah, kind of yeah. what it smells like. And I, I couldn't figure out what the hell they were talking that's about. That's awful. Yeah, so yeah, that's I, the one thing I'm kind of like. I'm the same way because about. dude, nobody ever tells the smelly kid in school that you're the smelly kid. Right. You just hope you don't get sat next to him when they do a seat change. Mm. Or if you can't find the smelly kid, are you the smelly kid? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. There's always one. There is. Um, one interesting thing I wanted to tell you guys about was uh, I did guys dance team in high school. <laughs> so it was meant to be a joke um, for one one. Uh, Assembly is what what it was. So they're like for Spirit Week. They were like, we want to we want to do guys dance teams. So all my buddies, my skateboard buddies, who are just a bunch of hoodlums, were like, let's do it. That'd be so funny if we all did it. But you had to come in at seven a.m. before school to do it to practice to learn the dance. How many times? Just the one time? No, gosh, no. You had to do it a few times. You had to learn the dance. Okay. Um. So all my friends were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I went to the freaking practice. None of my friends showed up and I was like, I'm sticking through this. So in, in my school was huge, like thousands of kids. Mm -hmm. So in front of thousands of kids at an assembly for spirit week, I did this synchronized like dance routine. Nice. It was a lot of the football team and like me. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> did you know anybody? No, it was did awkward. They, did they talk to you? Not really. Oh. No. But, I mean, it was so heartbreaking. Like, my friends always do that. They're the worst, dude. They'll always be like, yeah, we're uh, we're totally in. And then they always just bail on me. That sucks. Oh. Um, sorry. I'm just rambling now. Do you have any stories, Megan? I don't, like, really keep track of embarrassing stories. Do you feel like you get embarrassed easy? I feel like I get embarrassed and then I just move on and that's why I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. Uh. Usually I just laugh about it. I w there's one I remember. So I work in a drive-thru and I was talking to one of my coworkers and I picked up and instead of saying like, what can I get for you? I was like, hey, what up? How's it going? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just like rolled out of my mouth and I was like, uh, what can I get started for you? <laughs> but I think, you know, where you work now, that's okay to say like, what up? How's it going? They were pretty thrown off. Were they? <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, what up? <laughs> <laughs> you should have done that. <laughs> said how's it hanging so they were just like oh and like all my coworkers look at me and they're like what just came out of your mouth so i don't talk like that normally right right it just exactly like flew out of my <laughs> mouth and i like look at my person next to me i'm like hi what can i get for you yeah <laughs> oh, oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah i don't think i get embarrassed too easily anymore um now that i'm older but yeah the smelling thing I'm, i don't want to be stinky yeah <laughs> I get that. All right. Enough of that nonsense. <laughs> what do you have, Jake? What are we moving? Are we moving, are we moving right into the article? Yeah. What okay. do you got? Okay. So um, I sent as homework to Jeff and Megan. I was like, I think this is going to be a perfect topic to talk about. And I think you guys would be perfect to discuss this with. Mm -hmm. And the, the article that sparked my, uh, my, my, I don't know, my thinking right. on this, yeah. on this topic was, uh, it's called the Democrats White People Problem, and it's yeah. from the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. It was posted on November nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. Um, it's it says a nine minute read. Right. It's definitely not a nine minute no. read. It's, Dude, there's some it's pretty so long. It's long, and there's some heavy jargon stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. So it's probably not 
in, unless you're politically like active, you're probably right. not an article you'd ever click on. But I highly recommend it. I think it, it really, um, if you're interested on like how voting is going and different different demographics or just different voting blocks are kind of shifting their political ideology, I think this is a really good article if you want to kind of explore Trumpism and mm-hmm. maybe the direction of the Democratic Party, which gets into the question that I posed okay. to uh, Jeff and Megan, and that is... How do you feel? Uh, what where do you feel the Democratic Party is is going after these midterms? Because it was mm-hmm. we've had we just had the midterm election. Right. The Democrats took control of the House of Representatives, and I think there's kind of a schism starting to grow between um, in within the party um, on some of these newer freshmen, um, more progressive leaning Democratic politicians who mm-hmm. were elected mm-hmm. from um, well, Ocasio Cortez um it was kind of the the chief example but then you also have uh more of your classic democrats like nancy pelosi and some others in the house and there's a growing schism there between which which way is the party going to go is it going to go more more left to try to gather young votes Mm -hmm. or is it going to try to capture um more centrist leaning disenfranchised republicans like myself um and and run more of us of a centrist uh platform so kind of had just an open discussion i think maybe centered around some of the stuff that the the article brings up but also open to anything else so mm-hmm. you guys want to start go ahead megan what do you think well real quick i want to say i came prepared for this because i wore a t-shirt <laughs> that uh it's my political party t-shirt uh-huh. and i know listeners can't see it obviously right. but um it has a uh, abe lincoln and george washington playing beer pong mm. oh, okay. uh, lincoln <laughs> is holding a, a stereo like a big beatbox stereo nice. And uh, Washington has a keg, and <laughs> <laughs> and it says political party on it, and it looks like it's like in Congress right. set some sometime back then. It's horribly not historically accurate well, because <laughs> first Abe Lincoln and George Washington never really opposed each right. other. I'm really bothered by mm. that. I feel like it should be like <laughs> people who actually would have like opposed each other right. politically, but y- you know. Anyways, they probably the right wouldn't have left me outside of Target. Well, it would have been interesting though that like. <laughs> I don't because think Abe Lincoln would have left you out of tar- outside Target. No, no. I mean, right it's there. so it's so uh, that would be like if you could like have a debate in like with like up in up in space where like time mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. time isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. You could have like these like fundamental debates between a guy like George Washington and mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln. Like, what would they talk like the stuff they would talk about just in the role right. of governance, right? Um, with just get all the the presidents in there, all of them, all of them, all of them. Oh that gosh, like a mess. Oh, it would be so interesting. Throw Trump in there? That'd be rad. Can he stay there? (laughs) Can he stay there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That'd be awesome. I wish you I wish you could just I wish there was more, you know, that's the thing about history is you only have what's been written or documented. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just to to get a perspective on maybe an uh, on a on uh, a policy, a procedure or 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 an idea, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't you can't go back. You can't get that stuff. So no, I, I mean, I mean, it's just even the debates about the Constitution. Right. So yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, d- all right. All right. Party anyway. on. <laughs> Do you think we should start by going over what that article said at all? If we're gonna sure. Yeah, I it? think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. That's f- fair enough. So the uh, <laughs> no, you guys all need to read it. I just mean if we're if we're gonna reference it, <laughs> right, we should yeah, give a absolutely. little a few points. Okay, we got a pro podcaster <laughs> over here. We're a bunch of rookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, there's uh, the, ar- the author uh, lists out. Um, different ways the Democratic Party um, should kind of formulate its well, like formulate its thinking mm-hmm. if it wants to be viable going forward. Mm-hmm. And the 
and not kind of fall into the same pitfalls I think the Republican Party did when it met, when it had the big red wave in 2010 that took back the House and then stumbled over themselves consistently trying to find an identity. And I think um, this author does a really good job of kind of labeling those Democratic sweet spots where the Democrats... Democratic Party should try to focus its efforts more on just not just being anti-Trump, but being plo- like being having policy coherent policies. That this is what we're we're now in power in this in this chamber, and we're going to push forward pushing policies that we care about. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, that's it's a good message to begin with. But then also, so the first one is uh, the first one that he things that this author lays out um, uh, is democracy. Woman, Joan C. Yeah. Is it? Oh, is it a woman? Oh, okay, sorry. The, the author, oh, sorry, I'm sexist. <laughs> uh, democracy <laughs> is uh, not destiny, right. and um, and what uh, what that's saying is that um, just it's kind of a cliche. And I, I've heard it too in different in different comment sections or different co- conversation with different people, and and that is like Trump voters are all like elderly, retired white people that are eventually just going to die off, and we can just wait for them to die off, and then everything is going to be hunky-dory again. But that's just not the case, right? We see a lot of young people gravitating towards Trumpism. Mm-hmm. So in, I think the author makes a really good, uh, um, really good point saying the reason why so many people want to Trump is because it's their middle finger to this elitist attitude where they yeah. see as an elitist attitude mm-hmm. towards their, towards their values and their beliefs. Right. Yeah. Um, Her other argument there was like, uh, you know, they're thinking they're going to be saved by the U S becoming a majority minority nation and mm-hmm. being able to focus. Cause she talks a lot about uh, uh democratic party focusing on race and that being problematic yes. Yes. and that they should focus more on economics rather than race in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the arguments. And what it's saying is that, you know, some people may think like, Oh, well it's okay because we're becoming, a majority minority uh, nation so there's going to be more minorities and they'll vote democratic and mm-hmm. then it'll even it out um, but what she says is like the US isn't even going to be there until 2045 and then they're not going to be equally distributed around the nation mm-hmm. and it's still not going to be enough to take control you know, if that's mm-hmm. what you're mm-hmm. banking on. Yeah, definitely. Distribution is a uh, is a major component of that, just because how our electoral system is set up with the with the Senate mm-hmm. being you have senators you, like we hear. We, we talked about this on another on another episode where mm-hmm. the Senate is has a has a majority Republicans of Republicans. So it's, it's a majority Republican in the in the Senate. Mm-hmm. But it um, but they represent less people overall than the minority Democrats. Okay. So because there's so much distribution of uh, of some of these uh, minority demographics, mm-hmm. you still, even if you do garner 80% of that vote, mm-hmm. you're not going to win power in the Senate just because of the way the electoral system right, is set right, up. Right, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, I just kind of want to know just on like the base level, what do you guys think about that argument of either focusing on the economic, the, the class versus the issue of racism that she she starts the article with mm-hmm. because I, d- I, I don't I'm not saying that she's arguing to dismiss the issues of racism because I don't think that's the point but I think that I don't know I think it's I get the argument but I, I don't know what do you think I just think that it's like um this idea of class versus racism, mm-hmm. and you're saying that you, the the progressives and the Democrats are, are are always triggered and focused on these these the rhetoric that Trump says about yeah. you know on, on racism and things. For sure. Um, <clears throat> but I th- I don't know I 
do you, is she saying that it's unfair for us to or or that's that's problematic for us to focus on those things mm-hmm. versus class? Here's where I had a fundamental disagreement is okay. that and I'll just make a real quick point yeah. because I think Megan had something she yeah. wanted to say and that is I think this is a, a part where uh, the where she misses a little bit and I think that is uh-huh. that race and class aren't linked right. And I think she tries to create them as more of a dichotomy mm-hmm. that they're that's two separate two separate things. Mm-hmm. But in a lot in a lot of ways, especially since colonialism, yeah, cl- race and class right. are inextricably linked. Yeah, that's right. kind of where I was like mm-hmm. hesitant as far as like totally it, buying it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting you put you brought that up because that's what I, I said that to Kylie too. I was mm-hmm. like I was like I love this article, but here's one major right. flaw that I had in it. What were you gonna say? Well, I guess the part that I was getting out of it was more of like. Um, the focus on race is alienating those who may want to vote Democratic, mm-hmm. but because they're being labeled as racist because mm-hmm. they voted for Trump. That's what I think that's a lot of what it was, was like it was this uh, categorizing of all Trump voters as racist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is problematic to trying to get more voters mm-hmm. to not vote for right. Trump um, because if you're labeling them as racist, they don't really want to come over and follow mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i get um, that so i think that was like where i saw that um th- obviously there's i don't think that racism should just be ignored right, but i understand right. what it's saying is that maybe there's a little bit of too much focus into these social issues and what i think she's saying is like maybe you know the democratic party needs to talk more about economic issues that are more able to be solved through policy not mm-hmm. just through um like culture because some of these social issues are, are culture based mm-hmm. yeah i get um, that yeah. you know as far as sexuality and that right. kind of stuff right you know that's a lot culture based and i can't really like yeah we can legislate to help with it but mm-hmm. it's not entirely changeable by that it has to take a change in culture as well whereas economics that's something we can do about right now we can right. act on it mm-hmm. with legislation right now mm-hmm. and change things mm-hmm. and I, I i i really i actually I, I really agree with that because in her second point which is economic anxiety is central to populism mm-hmm. uh, the author joan so i i read john because it, it, it spread j-o-a-n so i read mm-hmm. a john anyway that's where i got <laughs> that it was a man i'm not sexist i promise yeah um <clears throat> anyway the uh where it's he's talking about how anxiety towards she, she sorry <laughs> i've been reading this like i've read this three times through and maybe not three i've read like two and a half times through yeah. and like and i've been in my mind i keep thinking it's a man she joan we're just gonna say joan from now on there you go joan uh there says she is see there's a face to the name <laughs> okay that's a woman you could just it's call her def- williams oh, there you go williams. williams okay williams that's better i like that williams <laughs> argues that uh the Anyway, she's saying that uh, in her – I'm all off right now. Anyway, the uh, – Second point, economic s- The anxiety. second point is economic anxiety mm-hmm. is that tensions with, with minority groups yeah. gets tempered when you have um, – when there's less uh, anxiety over economics. Mm-hmm. So when people mm-hmm. aren't necessarily really worried about their paycheck, they're not worried about immigrants coming into the country as yeah. much. Mm-hmm. So if we can, as Megan was saying, more of a kind of like a short run fix. Obviously, we need to fix the problem of racism generally, but and that's going to have to have going to have to happen culturally, which mm-hmm. I 100 percent agree with. It's going to just have to take a change in our culture. And but right now, I think where you have to start is making people not so worried about their own their own livelihoods so they're not looking towards to blame another person for that and i think that would that's trying to leave how to alleviate that that um 
I think that would be a good place to start to talk about how can the Democrats formulate a, a, a policy that kind of alleviate, alleviates this economic anxiety if we think it's so central to taking um, trying to uh, get away from these racial tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't find it. I, I should have printed this and highlighted it like I do, but there's a part where she men- mentions like people like either both sides kind of out angering each other uh-huh. and kind of that's where we stand. Mm. Um, and in, in it, and that second point, as far as like economic anxiety is central to populism. I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's, I think that's a fair argument. I think there are, are elements to it that definitely make sense, but I think on the left, I'm not certain that that's what the Democrats are in their shift in populism on the left, mm-hmm. I don't think that's founded on economic stability. I think that is based on, I think it is a little bit because there is a concern with, um, I think she mentions like college yeah. increase in, mm-hmm. in wages and stuff. And uh, I mean, costs in college, but also I think the marginalization of racial and social issues. I think that's where you see a shift in populism on the on the left and Democrats when they have a representative who is speaking on those issues. I think when you attack Trump on those issues, I think that this is kind of where mm-hmm. she's getting. That's where those voices fall short because he's being supported by those who are looking for economic prosperity. So they're not concerned with the social issues because they're concerned about their m- the money. They want to make money. They want to have a booming economy. Yeah. But I think on the other side with new populism kind of rising in Democrats, I mm-hmm. think that that is based on social issues primarily. Okay. I think it's a, it's a, it's a counter to kind of the racism and, and rhetoric that Trump is spewing. Now you're having a shift almost like Trump saying like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to look out for your best interest economically vote for me. So, you know, like this article kind of, kind of hints at is like the white, you know, the white voters who are concerned with economic issues are going to vote for somebody who's going to who's going to talk about looking out for those interests. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, I think that you have a counter to, well, he's saying super racist, racist things. He's supporting, you know, he's kind of yeah. supporting sure. racism. I mean, we've talked about that, but that's the counter to that populism in the left. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think um, I agree mostly where I would disagree a little bit yeah is with that the left left-wing populism isn't mm-hmm. there is a there is some economic populism like yeah. economic because economic component to yes. their populism and that is that you constantly hear it's an anti-elite vote and that's on both sides mm-hmm. of the aisle mm-hmm. there's anti mm-hmm. the, there's an anti-academic elite yeah. on the right okay. but it's, i think it's academic anti um economic elite mm-hmm. on the left. Yeah, and yeah. that's where that's where the rise in Bernie <clears throat> Sanders right, comes from. Right. I would argue that the rise of Bernie Sanders actually kind of highlights the schism that's being talked about because mm-hmm. if you think about the economic aspects that are touted, um, I'm thinking mainly of, you know, things focused on uh, student loans and right. free college mm-hmm. and that stuff. When you're talking about blue collar, middle class, working class people mm-hmm. and their economic concerns, mm-hmm. are they going to be more... Uh, persuaded by hey in 18 years your kids can go to college for free mm-hmm. or hey next year the economy is going to be better you'll be bringing home more money oh so that's what i mean uh. i think there's that that issue that's mm-hmm. where that schism is coming where it talking about how you know the democratic party was the party of the working class mm-hmm. 
originally. Mm -hmm. And that's where she kind of talks about how it's kind of floated from this blue collar worker thing to being focused on a lot of elite issues, which tend to be more social issues. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I felt like a lot in here is and relating to the schism. And I, I see that for right. sure. Yeah. And that, okay. I see that I in Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. campaign. And I, I see that in why Sanders wasn't able to get support for the nomination. Mm-hmm. And then because I don't think, you know, because I think people were concerned, you know, hey, you're not addressing these issues of working class mm-hmm. because that's not an issue of the working class. What isn't? Having free college for, oh, for them. Oh, yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of, mm-hmm. the, the economic aspects of uh, progressive campaigns mm-hmm. similar to Sanders, those don't really appeal to people who are struggling to pay rent that right, month. Right, right. And if it's not appealing to those people, I mean, it's really hard to think that far in the future mm-hmm. when you're having a tough time paying your bills then. Right. And when you're making those decisions, I mean, sure, we think about it mm-hmm. in the long mm-hmm. term, but that's because, you know, we have that perspective. We're political science. Mm-hmm. We've studied history. Mm-hmm. We think things about that way. People don't think that way. Right. Yeah. Always. Hmm. And I don't think I don't fault them for that. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that's fair. No, yeah. Harry, Harry Truman said he's he's like why America has such a hard time keeping like a consistent like coherent foreign policy mm-hmm. is because public opinion changes so much. Right. But he's like the average American only has twenty minutes to think about foreign policy mm. yeah. per day. Like he's like even even if that mm-hmm. right. So if you think about just you you even that's foreign policy, but you're to take attribute that to any of these m- deeper issues like mm-hmm. me, you know Megan is bringing up. I, th- I think that that's a huge huge component to it just people don't think about it so they want simple easy answers like how am i going to get more money to my paycheck i get that yeah i mean sure for sure one thing you and i have talked about before is um you know voting against your own self-interest and you can say things and we've seen and heard trump say things about benefiting these you know having these quick fixes but I know we want to talk focus on the Democratic Party and and and, the, and what we're going to do in the future, but I just can't help but wonder for those who have voted for him. And you and I have talked about this. Like there are those who still are like, no, 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 he's he's still got my back. He's still my guy. Yeah. Right. But how can you look at policy and ideas and rhetoric and say that he's still looking out for your best interests? So maybe the answer is is that if they do shift a li- if the Democrats do shift a little bit towards class and economics that pulls those people who are now questioning yeah. what he's doing uh-huh. towards them. And I think that's the argument. Right, here. right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's breaking down. Um, it broke down. There's a study in there somewhere. I don't have the exact, but it mm-hmm. about like breaking down and classifying those who voted for Trump um, and like in through surveys. And so one of the groups, which is about a fifth of the supporters, Mm -hmm. they labeled as like anti elites. Mm -hmm. And those were people who voted more against Clinton than for Trump. Right. Was what they said. So I think that a lot of what this article is aimed at is like, how can the democratic party get those people who are now disappointed and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit disgusted by the lack of intelligence that they're seeing, Mm -hmm. uh, to not vote Republican right. again, hmm. and they, in I think in that that portion, I think a key piece of this whole like race and class thing too is that eighty percent of those anti elite voters had warm feeling towards uh, migra- mm-hmm. towards immigration, yeah, and mm-hmm. and minority groups. Mm-hmm. So that would definitely be a, a an area where Democrats could try to target um, and pull some of his 
some of that core support mm-hmm. for the president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think a lot of it's going to have to though be who's going to be the face of the yeah. of the pre- of the party going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trump is such a if he's one if he's good at one thing it's marketing himself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be really hard but incredibly important for the Democratic Party to put somebody up there that he can't just attach a label to like Little Marco or Lion Ted or um, Crooked Hillary. That's just going to tear yeah. him down in the first week of, the, of, of a campaign season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who that is. I, I worry that it's like Nancy Pelosi is just going to become a punching bag in a in yeah. a uh, yeah in a uh, in basically a punchline for Republicans. Yeah. And which is why I'm like, man, like I know she's a seasoned politician and she can probably be what's best for the party. Mm-hmm. But John Boehner was what was best for the Republicans back in 2010, between 2010 and 2014. But that all that did was marginalize traditional republicans and give more weight because john boehner was trying to find that so it's a lot of this is going to come down to i guess what i'm getting to is that, that how the democratic voters see the democratic party within congress because i think there was a lot of anti i don't know if it's directly a parallels but part of me is a little concerned when i see people like um i can't remember her name i had it and it's the the somali uh, woman who's now a congresswoman from minnesota she was the refugee Okay. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was on Trevor Noah's um, show. Trevor Noah's show, mm-hmm. and she opens it by saying, "I'm America's best hope in the president's worst nightmare." Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little. I think I great. Like you're America's best hope. What you've gone through, your your situation makes right. you very unique and brings a great perspective to Congress. Mm-hmm. But following it up by saying you're the president's worst nightmare plays to that anti-Trump sentiment. Right. And I'm wor- I'm worried that the Democrats going forward are going to be so obstruct just because they hate Trump, they're going to be obstructionists, mm-hmm. and then they're going to vote out anybody who was seen as the rep- the equivalent of the Republican Party's rhinos, right? The people who sought to um, work with President Obama mm-hmm. were then quickly voted out and ran in the yeah. Tea Party ran primaries against them, and then mm-hmm. then you just kept getting more and more radicalized mm-hmm. Republicans gaining seats in the in the People's House, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that that's going to take control of the Democratic Party as you see seasoned veterans like Nancy Pelosi who are trying going to try to do what's best for the country and work right. with the um, with right. the president but is going to be seen as betraying their party mm-hmm. for like the new wave of populists coming yeah. in Does, did I want to yeah. make yeah. sense okay I mean I think it always goes back to you know the thing the reference you and I always make is checking those boxes of this tribalism if you're not checking those boxes then you might lose your job yeah. which is bizarre just because you you might be open to working with another because you might be tribe. open to getting some legislation passed right I, <laughs> instead of yeah. just blocking everything yeah mm-hmm. so is there any anybody who jumps out at you as a democratic politician you'd like to see you know potentially run like there's been names floated out like joe biden and john Kerry said he would consider it um cory booker from new jersey Mm -hmm. he's been in the press a lot lately what was that i said cory booker's been in the press a lot lately he was he was stumping hard during the kavanaugh hearings so i wouldn't be surprised by that no i was i I honestly none of those names really inspire uh tulsi gabbard Who's that? She's the representative from Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, she um, she was on Joe Rogan, mm. and you could, I listened to her kind of talk a lot about what I enjoyed about her is she's very straightforward. I want people to shoot me straight. She's watching her words like a yeah, politician. Of course. Um, but she just seems more centrist, and maybe I think that that's what I think that's just what I identify with. I see some of these extremes and mm-hmm. this rhetoric, and I'm just like, that's uh, there. There was Rogan also had another like. 
uh, a new media guy. So not like Fox News or CNN. There's this movement of new media, which is basically like blogs. And mm-hmm. okay. So he was identifying as like a, a democratic populist, but he was not using the term as it's defined. He's using the word populist? Yes. Oh, that's scary. Yes. And <laughs> I, he kept like identifying as that and... Uh, it was like democratic socialism. Like he wasn't using populism properly Mm -hmm. and he was just getting, and it's dangerous because there's millions of people who listen to Rogan (laughs) who hear him saying that and he's using it as like, I'm going to vote or I'm going to support the, the individual who is putting legislation forth that is best for the country or best for people and that can be subjective but he's using that as his definer for populism Mm. yeah that's yeah i I mean that is kind of populist i mean yeah but anyway so tulsi gabbard if you get a chance to listen to her wait she's the one who called herself no gosh no (laughs) um but just she just seems so she was she was in the army uh hawaii army national guard uh, she just seems like a badass. She just seems like she's going to give it to. But I, from what I've done some research on, there seems to be like she's kind of like pushed out to the perimeter by the Democratic Party. Hmm. And I couldn't find out why, but mm-hmm. people are saying that that is happening. Yeah. Um, but she just seems so legit. Um, there's, and a, there's a lot of good congresswomen yeah. who are elected. A lot of just good. Uh, the Democratic Party has a lot of good, youthful just a new energy coming into the party, right. which I just hope they harness in the right way because the Republicans didn't and it led to Trump. She um, assumed office in 2013. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so she's, she's, a, she's been doing yeah. it for a, while. for a while. So, I mean, that's the one that stands out to me. The one that I've done, I've listened to her talk the most um, as far as like someone you might not, the big names, you know what yeah. I mean? So check her out. Sure. That's my only interest. You made me think of one of the quotes from the article that mm-hmm. is, uh, the only effective antidote to populism interlaced with racism is a populism that isn't. Hmm. That's interesting. I was like, what did that make? What did you think about that? I have to read it. Do you have it? Yeah, <laughs> it's right there. Where? That quote right is there? just in quotes right there. Yeah, I think it's it's hard. It, it, I think it's really hard for the Democrats if you're you're running against the definition of a populist on oh, the other side. I absolutely think that's, yeah. Yeah? I think that's... Exactly what we're seeing. Yeah. If you have Trump, who's, you know, and the article does acknowledge that he's being supported by, mm-hmm. it, was he supported by racists? Yes. Um, but you also have him kind of saying sketchy things that reinforces that racism. And I think that we see, we are seeing a rise in populism on the other side to counter that mm-hmm. populism that isn't racist, to counter populism that is. I guess my question is, like, is do you think that would be the best no like just to, <laughs> so obviously that's happening naturally right. but do you think that's what should happen it's a way to garner votes in the short run yeah if you're trying to win now yeah yeah okay i think mm-hmm. i think and no, that, but i i fundamentally disagree i mean yeah. i have an issue yeah. with that quote because i'm like i i don't really want uh our politics to every year just be infused with populism versus populism right mm-hmm. because that's problematic. <laughs> it's very problematic. Um, yeah. And I also think that um, this is just a thought I'm having now, but you already have people who kind of view politics as a pop- popularity contest, especially like at the presidential level. Mm-hmm. And I think that that turns people away from voting. 
which and then if mm. you get to the the house and the senate if, if that becomes a populist race and everyone's just voting for what you know these mm-hmm. you're checking the boxes i'm just worrying that that might turn more people away now it's even more of a popularity contest now i'm really not going to participate mm-hmm. yeah but on the other side you could argue that maybe they're those boxes are being checked and now maybe those people are feeling more representative so that re- represented so they are going to participate yeah it could go either <laughs> it could go either way just public perception right of what of what's happening mm-hmm. part of what my uh history 300 paper ended up being mm-hmm. on was uh late 19th century populism and the way that it involved minorities uh it was influenced by the presidential election Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and um the way that that influenced like the treatment of minorities and uh just an interesting thing i saw there was there was um like obviously that was like a late reconstruction area era Mm -hmm. almost when it was over and so there was just like this uh manipulation of uh especially in in the south but like southern african americans mm-hmm. just to get their vote mm-hmm. and it was like hideous right like it was it was not like they were doing things to purposeful get their vote? like lying populism acting oh. in mm-hmm. ways to you know to get this minority vote and that's where i'm like as far as like let's bring up a populism with no out racism mm-hmm. i'm like okay well I don't want to start pitting populism against populism right? because yeah. how are you going to just keep attracting everybody? You right. know what I'm like? It just gets dangerous. I think. Well, just eventually it, it, it comes down to who can scare the other one more. Right. right. Or, and I don't know cause I haven't read your paper, but I'm wondering now if it's populism with racism against populism without, maybe they are lying and manipulating their rhetoric to be more inclusive. So they're just saying the things that they need to say to get the Latino vote or the African-American vote. Yeah. And like, I'm assuming what you're saying is yeah, what that's what seemed to happen. So my paper wasn't exactly on that, but right, I read right. books that talk specifically about that. And so they were my sources for mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. argument was different. But that was one of the things that I saw that I'm like, this is just and I was purposely was interested in populism yeah. because of the, the election mm-hmm. and because that was in 2000. 16 yeah. i think mm-hmm. that i was writing that so uh yeah and it just it just seems dangerous and like shady trying to <laughs> come up with populism without racism against populism with racism mm-hmm. yeah how much of that without racism is going to be lying mm-hmm. oh yeah i oh, just did hand quotes even though you guys can't see them <laughs> i see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes it was been around times, without there's <laughs> been times where jake has like said things in passing where he's you know not meaning it yeah. i'm like uh air quotes on that yeah like, oh gosh yes totally <laughs> i yeah. think i said something about like uh civilize the savages yeah and i was, <laughs> I was talking specifically <laughs> about the british's policy yes. in india yeah. and uh and then you're like oh gosh air, air quotes yeah jake didn't mean did that it. literally <laughs> yeah um what do you think I mean, especially with that quote, I think that's an interesting quote. Like, if you're going to counter populism with racism, and now you are, I think you are seeing a rise in the shift towards the Democrats saying, like, we're, you know, we are the party that represents the minorities. And yeah, I think that any time you have, I think there's always been a, some semblance of populism 
when especially when you yeah. have first past the post style voting that means it's winner take all mm-hmm. that you only have to get the majority like you only have to get like the simple majority of votes like you can win an election as long as you with 35 percent of the vote just as long as you beat everybody else yeah mm-hmm. so you i think there's always going to be a semblance of some of that populist rhetoric mm-hmm. this is the first i don't know if this is the first time but it's i think it's the most blatant time at least since I've been alive and yeah. followed politics that you actually have a politician acting on those. Like normally when people get in office, like they, they have all that because Obama was yes. cut, used some populist oh, rhetoric, yeah. but uh-huh. when he got in of like course. the, the weight of the, the weight, I think he was, he was just very idealistic. Right. And I think once he got into the position and he realized the weight and the enormity of, and the responsibility that he had in that office yeah. and the respect for that office that he had, it, it, it obviously he you start to see his rhetoric really change mm-hmm. and he becomes more of that centrist kind of yes. leader that um, I think mostly governs our have mostly governed our nation over its slow you know march towards progress mm-hmm. over you know the three hundred some you know close to three hundred years of our history and but I think um, what you might start seeing now because of the bases being so energized and being so infused with populism mm-hmm. is now the demand that those populists policies that are being um talked about on the campaign trail mm-hmm. are then enacted um once those people are in office mm-hmm. and that gets really dangerous mm-hmm. because the people who suffer most from populist policies are the public yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm. so i don't know how to come obviously the only way to combat it is just to be the, the party that says we're not going to do it right but then when you see um like ocasio cortez who when uh uh, Nancy Pelosi was going to announce her candidacy for the speaker, the speakership in the House. Mm-hmm. There was um, there was a protest in her office, and guess who was there live tweeting it as part of the protest was Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez. Mm-hmm. Like how so- I'm just a super sophomoric. Mm. Okay, so did you see Fox News talking about her shoes? Ocasio Cortez's shoes. Yeah, and her jacket or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Oh, you aren't wearing this jacket means you're not poor. Right. You wearing this jacket means you're not poor. I think that those attacks I think that parallels this idea of you know, the right uh, the left focusing on Trump's rhetoric, Mm -hmm. racist rhetoric and 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 how they're they're more concerned with the social issues and they want to do that. I think you kind of do the same you just flip and rise that anger of the left when you attack uh, this woman on her clothes and you're you're coming up with those petty arguments i think it does the same thing it energizes that other side being like really you guys are really just focusing it energizes her you can see her response mm-hmm. and then everyone celebrates her response um and i see i think you see that that rise and that support and that that energized mm-hmm. side yeah okay but media also talks about melania's jacket Right. So, I mean, it's the close focus isn't mm-hmm. just one-sided. No, no, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that, like, so Ocasio-Cortez is kind of the, the main, the new politician for the mm-hmm. new generation. Sure. Everybody's focusing on her. She was on the Bernie trail. Everyone is just, like, she's she's a face. I don't know if she's the face, but she is a mm-hmm. face of a the generation. The media is starting to, some of the media is starting to put her on that level. Exactly. So. The face of the counter to the traditional democrats yes Mm -hmm. and i think that when you attack that i think that that helps that everything she stands for i think Mm -hmm. by when who attacks when fox news and and they pick apart Mm -hmm. and then you have the the right jumping on it saying oh yeah she's not really representative look at these nice jackets she has or whatever (laughs) um i think when they do it to melania it's to be also an attack on trump 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. So I mean, yeah. I, I, but when I think they when when they do it to Ocasio Cortez, what it's doing is it's energizing. It's making her. It's victimizing her mm-hmm. and making her look like because she's a grassroots politician. Okay. Everyone expected her not to win. Would you disagree? She shouldn't have won her primary, but once she won her primary, sh- there was no no question that she was going to win her okay. seat. It's right. the New York third is incredibly uh, liberal. Okay. Well, maybe that's just what she portrays then as a grassroots. Well, I think she is. I think yeah, she likes to portray herself as grassroots, okay. right? And I think the the whole the whole story about her not being able to move to Washington D.C. for a few more months yeah. because she can't afford a hotel, yeah. she can't afford to buy her out, out her lease in New York yeah. to move to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that is just. I mean, it, it's a good opinion. It's a good like fluff piece that right. builds goodwill with right. the, her the base that she's mm-hmm. trying to um, she's trying to harness support from. Right. Uh, but I think there's also a lot of anti-elite sentiment mm-hmm. going towards Ocasio-Cortez because I think there's a lot of belief among Trump supporters that um, you have, you know, Bernie Sanders is this rich guy, but that is constantly calling for socialism, right, to right. redistribute mm-hmm. wealth. Mm-hmm. But he's this liberal sitting on his in his shiny mansion, mm-hmm. trying to take away, trying to take money from oh, everybody yeah. else, mm-hmm. spreading around to everybody else. But he wants to keep his mansion. Yeah. I think that the attack on uh, Ocasio-Cortez's um, clothing yeah as being elitist mm-hmm. is, is is the same kind of attack okay okay that's just how i yeah yeah no i think it. that's fair but i also i think it what happens is something you and i've talked about is just the victimization of her so mm-hmm. if if it, we, we talked about it like when we had those individuals at campus talking and protesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you go and you combat them and you make them look like the victim they gain more sympathy oh definitely and i think that's what happens with her when mm-hmm. they attack her on oh, fox yeah. news about that garbage well, instead of attacking her on policies Policy. which exactly. she hasn't which i mean it's objectively she really hasn't yes. e- explained how her right policies would be enacted mm-hmm. or funded mm-hmm I mean, it's also extremely frustrating because it's not like when a man is elected that mm-hmm. them, they're going to be like, oh, but look what he's wearing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You okay. know, I mean, yeah, that's that's, that's the other side of it mm-hmm. is that it's extremely like, yeah, seriously, again, mm-hmm. although they do make fun of Trump's this. power tie and his 80s business. That's suit. true. But yeah, this is more I'm saying of a, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Not going to yeah. focus on what. You don't focus on what men are wearing mm-hmm. in politics. You focus on what they're saying. Right. Yeah. Media does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I just hope that we don't end up having two parties of Trump and other Trump. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Be- because Bernie Sanders, as encapsulating as he was, and a lot of the things he says makes people within the working class or mm-hmm. lower classes um you know it makes sense to a lot of them that you know we you know we're, there's going to be these policies enacted that are going to help better their situation mm-hmm. and i get that it's, it's an attractive policy mm-hmm. but at the same time like he's such a he's basically there's a, there's a lot of trumpism and bernieism mm-hmm. though too and mm-hmm. especially when it, in regards to and and I'm always going to steer things back to foreign policy but Bernie Sanders <laughs> would have enacted the same kind of tariffs. Yeah. He was very is- economically isolationist mm-hmm. we're going to take care of our demo- de- yes. we're going to take care of our demo- our domestic constituents first. Everything's gonna be, it's going to be he was basically American first without saying American first. Right. right. So I don't know if I mean other than Trump's just bloviating and his just his bullish nature on yeah. the world stage, I don't know if you would necessarily see too much of a difference in foreign policy 
as it actually has been implemented under Trump, Mm -hmm. that much different under Bernie. And like, that's not going to be something. And it's interesting. So just because I just triggered something in my brain Mm -hmm. in that that article, um, she said like one of the uh, Williams said that one of the the five demographic sweet spots for Trump was mm-hmm. uh, free marketeers, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting because I consider myself pretty free market. Yeah. I would, and it's be precisely because of that, that I don't support Trump. Right. Well, then one of the, the chief mm-hmm. reason why I don't yeah. support Trump yeah. is because of his attack. I think he, he, he's not free market in any way, not domestically. Oh yeah. He deregulates, but he deregulates in a way that's not helping. Mm-hmm. Um, make trickle down economics work better. Mm-hmm. It's, he's deregulating to help fund businesses that are not going to reinvest in their, that's going to reinvest in their own business instead of reinvesting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or just hoard, you know, just keep money in bank accounts. that does nothing. It just mm-hmm. becomes stagnant. Anyway, I just, that's, I'm just rambling, but those are my, kind of my thoughts is just, I see so many of the same parallels between 2010 and two and right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm worried that it's it's so easy as she pointed as the author pointed out mm-hmm. how easy it is to become populist. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and to feel that you have to combat populism with populism, mm-hmm. and that's just what we I guess we've been talking about. Yeah, no, I think um, with Megan's example, uh, historically you see how dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's just a manipulation. And I mean, even now with fake news, you just see that manipulation. And and maybe and one thing I was just thinking about with with Trump is and, you know, in, in that comparison of of populist ideals that Obama was the rhetoric. Um, maybe with anyone else who had been a career politician, they get into that presidential position and they kind of back off on everything they've promised because they realize and respect that position and job. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, maybe I need to be more centrist and kind of calm down on everything I'd said on the c- campaign trail, which I don't, which you don't get with Trump because I don't really think he cares about like, what do you think? Well, my question is, for example, with Obama, yeah. do you, did he even when he says it on the campaign trail? I mm-hmm. mean, he was already a politician, right? As opposed to President Trump mm-hmm. was not. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was going to be capable of, and that I I argued that I don't think it was like getting into it and then like realizing that these things aren't necessarily possible and right. I need to calm down, but more like yeah, these are the ideals, so I'm going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But like obviously, that's not possible in the right. four to eight years that I'll be in office. So mm-hmm. then. And I think that disappointed a lot of people. You yeah, know? But so I mean, I don't I I don't think that was unintentional. Right. So you just say whatever you need to to get in and then play well, the game? <laughs> <laughs> because mean, that's where we already are. Yeah. But now we have a president who is ignoring precedents and just saying, I'm just going to do what I need to to make those things happen. Executive order, executive order. Not saying that Obama didn't sign them, but I'm just saying he's he's doing things that like you said that he's he's c- promised on the campaign trail and now he's trying to do anything and everything he can to win get those short win gains and stave off the rep- repercussions of those yes. long enough to win re-election yes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. so i'm not saying that obama you know he got yeah. in there and was like oh my gosh like shocked that the job is different than he had assumed yeah. um but i'm just i i think you put it better than i'm i'm trying to is that there's an understanding of once you get in there, maybe everything you promise isn't going to work, but you're going to have to play 
politics in there. And maybe he's Trump doesn't play politics. He plays populists. And he gets in there and is doing what he can to get reelected, I mm-hmm. think, is the long-term goal. He's saying, I mean, even in the midterms, everything was about the 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 caravan coming to the border and mm-hmm. he hasn't mentioned it since i think he has once or twice since then but i mean it's just it's he's doing and saying what he needs to mm-hmm. when he needs to and then it's gone um i wonder if a career politician if they win over trump if you see kind of the same getting in that position and then playing both sides being more of a moderate not saying more of a moderate but not just the extremes of trump versus trump which is what jake is saying that he's afraid of happening do you think it's just something about the nature of power that causes politicians to lie either on the campaign trail or once they're in office to deceive um or is it just or is it can you take it on an individual individual politician by mm-hmm. politician basis because it doesn't seem like all pol- we, we, we can pretty much identify all politicians have told half truths or have lied while in office yeah but this guy seems overly willing to just double down on them mm-hmm. and i almost wonder if there has just been we've had more cons- there's been more in the past our population has been less willing to accept those half truths and lies whereas now i think Trump is just emboldened because there really hasn't mm-hmm. been that much of a political backlash on him, right. at least not amongst the people that are going to continue to keep him in power. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just, if it if it is truly a degradation of our of our culture, mm-hmm. in in the, in the rising of you know in just kind of the crumbling in the belief of our, in our democracy, leading to uh, wanting a more authoritative politician Mm -hmm. or is it just something about the true nature of power that just in the past we've been able to check more but one anybody who's in office maybe it's just just, what i'm trying to say that maybe this just isn't trump Mm -hmm. by himself like this is just there's the nature of power right and trump is just because of he's emboldened by the populace Mm -hmm. is able to push those limits more than other presidents were maybe willing to do right does anything does that make sense yeah okay i've Two comments on yeah. that. First was you're saying is it the is it the nature of power that causes these kind of half truths and whatnot? And mm-hmm. that just made me think of like, you know, you know, uh, in middle school and high school, people running for ASB president. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna get us donut vending machines, <laughs> right, and right. you know, there's still those those half truths, those things that you know they can't do it, right. mm-hmm. but like it still makes you want to vote for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't really involved in that stuff, yeah. but I mean, I know that, like, you know, that kind of stuff happens and it's, you know, is that, it just made me think of that. I don't have mm-hmm. much of a comment other than right. like that happens too there. Yeah. And obviously that's very Among low seemingly, scale, but seemingly good people. Right. Yeah. But are willing to lie, cheat and, and steal to try to get power. Yeah. And I think that's probably just a nature mm-hmm. of power and just the way that that power has a corrosive nature. Yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my other comment is, do you think that part of that, uh, the uh, going in and just having a disregard for whether these things are actually possible and just trying to push them through no matter what, if that's kind of a reflection on the disappointment that many people had with Obama for saying, I'm going to do all these things and then not doing them. And so then Trump sees that and he's like, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing, promise all these things, but I'm going to actually do them no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think, and is that a response? Yeah, I think that what he kind of, he stand, his pedestal he stands on is undermining everything. Right. So his whole campaign, he undermined President Obama. He undermines uh, every institution. He undermines the CIA, the FBI, uh, 
global politics. He undermines all of those things, and he puts himself above those things. Like, listen, all of these things are terrible, but I'm the answer. Right. And so I, I just think that him undermining those things is his way of – he does overpromise, but I think that maybe his ability to – because he doesn't really I don't know I can't think of anything off the top of my head that he's promised that he's changed in policy that has really affected his supporters in a positive way so but what he is doing is he's undermining everything else and telling everybody dude everything's a mess and everything's wrong I got your back which he's not proving and he's just saying those things so um, well, he's giving them wins that aren't necessarily tangible wins. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that there's no measuring stick, right? Yeah. He's saying there's there's a threat on our southern border. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send troops down there to f- correct the problem. Right. And then just not say anything yeah. anymore yeah. about it. And as far as most people are concerned who don't pay attention to politics, mm-hmm. he fixed the problem. Yeah, that's right. a win. Yeah. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because eventually the economic, <laughs> the economic chickens are going to come home to roost. Right. His His... <sighs> His policies are not sustainable. Yeah. They've never been sustainable, right. and especially not in a in a globalized economy. Mm-hmm. The, the The monarchies of Europe were able to stave the stave off these same policies for such a long time and maintain power mm-hmm. and relative stability domestically. One because they had a, just a crushing, uh, you know, asymmetry in power mm-hmm. over their mm-hmm. populace. But all and they just so they didn't have to answer to anybody because people believed that they were divine, right? They're right. absolute monarchs. But mm-hmm. second was colonies. They're able to push mm-hmm. off a lot of this economic the economic troubles of isolationist politi- policies and uh, and um, mercantilism by having captured markets elsewhere mm-hmm. and those just don't exist anymore in the, in, in the current world order mm-hmm. so it these are going to come home i just don't know if it, it, it will he be able to, here's here's what the democrats if i were a democratic strategist mm-hmm. do whatever you can yeah. when this shit collapses yeah. to not be the one that de- where Trump can point at you and say it's their fault. Yeah. Right. It's the feds fault who are all Democrat, who are all like socialist Democrats, uh-huh. the feds socialist. Yeah. And it's the Democrats that enable that, that created, that created this, um, this belief that our economy was going to collapse mm-hmm. and they, they've been obstructionists. Don't be the, don't be the scapegoat for right. Trump when right. all of this comes home. Cause that's what, going to be that's what he's going to try to be. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got to try to figure out a way to not be yeah. to more voters than not right obviously there's gonna be people who are going to believe it the mm-hmm. fox news constituents yeah but oh, yeah. there are going to be there, there are a lot of people though who will be able to look at this objectively and you need to convince them that you have a better plan yeah. and that's that's where this comes that's where like stop focusing on how bad trump is mm-hmm. even though it's mm-hmm. let uh, let us do that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, right. let the media let the media kind of do that yeah um i'm not saying that we're media but just let but U- U.S. U.S. Pol- <laughs> U.S. politicians, yeah. focus on policy. Focus on policy that are going to make the people that are voting for you's lives better. Right. I think. I think. I think you have something there when you say if you propose something that is more bipartisan than not, and you bring it and you have extreme objection from the other side. I think that might be a way to win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To show like I'm trying. And I'm continuously getting shut down by the other side. Mm-hmm. Instead of coming with these extreme left or rights, yeah. just coming with something in the middle, moderate, that, that does benefit everybody. And if you show that you're making that progress in, within your party mm-hmm. to be bipartisan, 
then I think maybe, and that's just us again arguing like, is moderate the best way to shift to opposed to populism? And I think you have a point right there when you say when it collapses, are you going to be able to say, look, we tried, or are you going to be standing above the collapse going, ha ha. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We told you this would happen. Yeah. I don't think you're going to win if you say told you so. Yeah. I think you need to show progress on like, okay, listen, he's a mess. And we know that, but we have to show you. I think you have to focus on the country and not just on personality. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. constantly going to be in the way of any. Uh, he said, if the Democrats come up with something good that works, then I'll totally, you know, sign off on it. And, uh, you know, yeah, but nothing, nothing that. is compl- in his in his rhetoric. Nothing is ever going to be good enough from the Democrats. Exactly. So even if you say something, maybe again, what like Williams is saying, maybe if you write a bill or you have legislation for something that shows class specifications mm-hmm. then and you get it to, to, to the the congress and senate and president and it's just like nah then you can say we tried i think if you if you have a, a list of efforts that you can say at the end of the collapse like here's every single time we've tried and here's every single time the republicans and trump got in the way of those efforts mm-hmm. and you can say like here's how this would have benefited farmers here's what would have benefited um welders or 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 steel workers Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i think if i think maybe that's kind of what we're talking about is the economic focus if if the democrats bring something that shows efforts reaching a handout i don't know you get what i'm saying yeah no 100 don't build a platform that's this guy is the worst and we're gonna do the exact opposite of everything he's doing Mm -hmm. because he's the worst build a platform on this is would be better for our country Let's try to keep doing this. We're going right. to keep trying, even though we think we're going to get shut down. We're going to keep trying because this is what's best for the country. You know, that sounds better to me. <laughs> the best yeah. the best parallel I can come up to for this mm-hmm. in recent like political history is I think the w- reason why Republicans call for uh, health care has fallen so flat mm-hmm. on the ears of the of Americans and and people are like I mean not all people a lot of a lot of right wing media like to ignore the fact that for 8 years under president obama all they did was talk about repeal not repeal and replace yeah. uh the affordable care act but they the republicans never in the house nor the senate in the, all the years that they controlled that ever really came up with a viable option yeah f- to fix health care yeah mhm and all they did was complain and talk about wanting to repeal it yes. and about how it's socialist and Obama is the worst guy ever. Mm-hmm. And he's a traitor for passing this and forcing it through. And mm-hmm. John Chief Justice Roberts is a traitor for saying it's constitutional mm-hmm. under as yeah. a tax. And you, they didn't. They never came up with anything to anything to combat it. Right. And that worked. So, no. unfortunately, yeah, I mean, you're right. That's it what I'm saying. Work. It worked. Mm-hmm. So because then for they, four years. they yeah. can't be blamed for. It, what it was replaced with sucking too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. What do you mean? If you... Who can't be blamed, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. I was saying, so th- when the Republican Party was, we're going to mm-hmm, repeal mm-hmm. and replace, but then never did, uh-huh. they can't be blamed for, what if they'd replace it with something that was worse? Mm-hmm. Can't be oh, blamed for Oh, I get it. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't be faulted for not coming up with something worse, but it's... But if you don't mm. come up with anything at all, I mean, you can't just be <laughs> against something. Yes. You have to be for something. You yes. have to mm-hmm. have your own ideology. You can't yeah. just be, I'm anti-Affordable Care Act. Right. Okay, but but what do you want? Right. There's no solutions. You, you 
have to offer something. And it's the same thing now. You can't just be anti-Trump. Right. You, I mean, you we can't. are. <laughs> you, you, but you can't just yeah. be, like, as a politician, as a political yes, party, yes. you can't. That's, what are, what are you pro? Hmm. Otherwise, you know? I mean, it, okay, so it might work, right? right? It might, the Republicans shown that that, um, yeah. I'm against Obama platform, the Mitch McConnell, are, the chief job of, mm-hmm. of the Senate or the, the new Republican Congress mm-hmm. is to deny Obama a second term. Right. Ultimately, that corroded the Republican political rhetoric and, mm-hmm. and political culture to the point where someone like Trump could step in and take that. Right. But at the suicide of their own party, but then also the detriment of the country. Yes. The Democrats also want to be want to look what's best for their party going forward, just as a as a strict partisan strategist. Mm-hmm. But then if you also take that altruistic nature, which I hope most of our politicians politicians are somewhat altruistic, mm-hmm. and saying we also means what's best for the country. Right. You have to take this high road, and I don't. I just, I fear that they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just fear that these these schisms and this uh, and the the reason why I asked about the what do you guys feel about the corrosive nature of power mm-hmm. is that is it even possible for the Democratic Party to not pivot towards populism because of that allure to power, knowing what you, the the steep you're already on a steep hill trying to beat someone an incumbent mm-hmm. in a normal election beating an incumbent isn't hard to do right. Now you're beating an incumbent who is entrenched and is willing to lie and do anything yes. to cover his ass. He's yeah. not even playing by normal rules. Yeah. And he's using populism against you, which is a, which is a great allure yeah. of of towards the towards mm-hmm. the voters. You're in a steep steep battle and you're already handcuffing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're already tying one hand behind your back by trying to run on like we're going to run on policy and strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Because the midterms was a, was a repudiation of Trump. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much that the Democrats were saying policy-wise. Right. It was just like, we don't like Trump. We're voting for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Now, you're gonna, now you have power. Now it's time to formulate policy. Mm-hmm. How are you going to formulate that policy? Right. What is that policy going to look like? How is it going to be presented to the republic? Mm-hmm. That'll tell us what 2020 is going to look like. So uh, is that the answer then yeah. is to, to focus on policy? I and, think and so. That's what efforts. I would want. I think that's what the three of us are all saying we want. Yes, right? I think so too. But then I, I do see your point. Then is that going to be possible to even to to be successful in the electoral votes? Mm-hmm. They're, well, they're going to have to get. They're going to have to have a unified front. They're going to have to unify right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It, one of the big mistakes, and I think the reason why Mitt Romney lost mm-hmm. to President Obama in 2012 was because the Demo- the Republicans ran such an elongated um because they they didn't really want Mitt Romney. Right. So they uh Rince Priebus ran this incredibly elongated um mm. uh primary right. where the it wasn't he was announcing Paul Ryan as his VP candidate mm-hmm. a week before the convention. Jeez. So th- by the time Romney even got his feet going, mm-hmm. Obama had already been running right. yeah. like campaign ads against Mitt Romney because Rand Paul or Ron Paul for mm-hmm. refused to get out of the race, so Romney had to run it all the way to its to its conclusion. Right, right. Yeah. So because there was so much schism in the Republican, my point is because because there was so much ideological divide mm-hmm. in within the Republican Party between Tea Party like fundamentalists yeah. and traditional moderate Republicans, mm-hmm. there was no identity. Right. So I think it, it, the only way to combat this rise of populism, I believe, within mm-hmm. the Democratic Party, is to right now, right off the bat, now figure out what your identity is going forward mm-hmm. and get everybody as much as you can on board right and if you're not on board with that message going forward mm-hmm. you're you're isolated right 
Mm-hmm. You have to prevent you, the schism. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That would be my that. that would be my strategy <laughs> going forward. Right. It's gonna be really hard. Yeah. As the collective action is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Now it's trying to get collective action amongst equals because everybody has one vote in the House of Representatives. Yeah. To try to throw. Will Nancy Pelosi be able to use her the whips and con- like her her whips in Congress? Uh-huh. Not actual whips. There's people called the party whip <laughs> yeah. to get people in line. Right. Does she have that clout? Well, I think I think with the election, uh, I think the whole Democratic Party was surprised that Hillary lost. But also, I think pulling the rug out from Bernie in the primaries kind of created a schism. And you had a lot of people go, I'm out. I'm voting for Trump. That's a very good point. So I think it's just like getting punched in the nose. You're kind of stunned still. And I, I, do, I do agree as, fine, as far as finding a way to unify. But I think in this last presidential election, I think the effects of that are still being felt where the Democrats aren't really certain how they identify or or maybe or how to win even because they were certain that Hillary was going to win and everybody projected Hillary to, to win but she didn't reconcile with Bernie supporters right so and that's going to be another question that's where I think that schism was already present mm-hmm. so where I was saying that you know you can already pick that out I think that's where where Sanders lost mm-hmm. the prime the uh, nomination mm-hmm. and Clinton won mm-hmm. that you're like okay well there it is there's already a schism because right. he had huge populist support right. behind him right and that was kind of a question of okay is the democratic party going to go down this stronger progressive pass mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pr- path mm-hmm. or not yeah and that kind of said no we're not and then people were like okay well i don't want to support right. her i think you have a great point right there i think in the primaries you had everybody who identified as democrat either saying i'm all for bernie or i'm all for hillary yeah and then once it was all right now we've selected hillary everyone's like dude i'm out like that was my guy and mm-hmm. that was further you know this whole issue with elitism that was furthered by talk about there being you know not necessarily the primary being run correctly mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting it, you almost like in, in nfl and in in sports to talk about mm-hmm. coaching trees mm-hmm. right like when you have like a, an all-time great coach everybody want, and then their disciples start getting into coaching because of how successful that person yes. was you say it with bill belichick everybody who's coach under bill belichick has been given a chance to get a job elsewhere right. and you have that kind of ideology spread throughout coaching mm-hmm. as they start to um as those disciples you say i think you see that now with bernie sanders and make the parallel i think you see mm-hmm. that with bernie sanders is that now he's not he was like the first person, the first politician on a national stage to really push what is being defined as democratic socialism. Right. I mean, we've talked about that yeah. as a definition, but we'll just use it here yes. for, for conversation's mm-hmm. sake. One oh, of you guys put on your, like Megan or Jeff, whoever wants to take this, put on your Bernie Sanders hat mm-hmm. and just act as a Bernie Sanders politician, right? Mm-hmm. How do you view the Democratic Party right now as it stands? And are you willing to then lose an election to stay true to your core ideology? What are you willing to make any sacrifices? Is what I'm guessing I'm getting at. I don't know if I get what you're asking. <laughs> are you willing to like sacrifice a? Are you willing to lose an election, right? Mm-hmm. Because socialism, democratic socialism, right. the way it's being it's talked about, and right. even even if we're being presented in a way that actually states states what it is, mm-hmm. I don't think can win a national election. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to make concessions? To the centrist republic, centrist Democrats. If that's the new definition, if that's what everyone has agreed to, was the centrist, yeah. and you're 
you're the out, you're the socialist. outlier. But you yeah. you pulling away from the party takes enough votes yes, away that you lose that election. Yeah. What do you do? I think that's already what happened. And I I don't know. Well, we know we know Bernie did that, right? But does but he's no longer the mouthpiece yes. to those yeah. people as much as some of the new Congress yes. Congress mm-hmm. women Congress women and congressmen. Mm-hmm. Just Congress people in the <laughs> um, in the uh, in the new Democratic House. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think there is still a struggle to find that identity. I mean, I do. F- I I feel like a lot of people have kind of shrunk to the middle. Mm-hmm. Like you're just seeing these extremes from both sides. So maybe finding an identity within that middle is the best. But then you risk. I, I can't imagine if you're if you find a middle and you're kind of if you I find an identity in the middle, uh, more moderate identity, mm-hmm. and you're you're identifying as a Democrat. I can't imagine you're losing the extremes, the extreme left to the extreme right. So if you if you if the Democratic Party chooses to identify it as more of a moderate, you know, kind of pushing out those outliers like you're talking mm-hmm. about the Bernie Sanders, if you will. Um, I think that maybe that would be the best idea because you're not going to lose the extremes unless you have like what you're saying, a case where someone refuses to adapt to that more moderate and they're going to ride out what they believe in, in that populist identity. You can have risk of a third party forming in that. (sighs) Yeah, I think so. And yeah, it's a tough position. What do you think? I favor centrism, but yeah, having having <laughs> talked to several Bernie supporters yeah. about how they voted in the general, yeah, Jill Stein had how much percent of the total vote? Mm-hmm. How many of that? How much of that vote in certain districts in a Senate race or in mm-hmm. a House race or even in the presidential election? We're talking about the Electoral College is enough to sway when you have first past the post voting. Yeah, there's no proportional representation. It's yeah. winner take all. Yeah. How much of that, you know, she she takes off two she takes two percent out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. She takes two percent mm-hmm. out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's enough to propel Trump to the presidency. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I so how do you like yeah. how do I I've given up on the Republicans trying <laughs> to reconcile with the with the radicals of our party. Mm-hmm. I, the Democrats have a real opportunity here to try to figure out how to reconcile with Bernie supporters. Right. In a way that can be then taken to the to a national stage mm-hmm. and and be sold mm-hmm. as a viable option, as a viable alternative to Trump's populism. Right. But it's got to happen now. Right. The longer they, the longer they push, the more the schism starts to grow and mm-hmm. the more people, the more that these rising, these new, these new freshman senators who are wide eyed and ideological mm-hmm. have the ability to then use social media in a way that that gets them support and they be, and they can use their platform to then try to get within the, the institution of the democratic party and try mm-hmm. to fundamentally change it in the way that suits them best mm-hmm. that may not be best for the country going forward right. or winning an or election. Winning an election mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think the, uh, you have a point when you say that they need to reconcile with the, the Bernie's because They, regardless of winning or not, there was a large majority and there was a big voice there and a, a lot of support there. And if you just ignore that fact, I think with the the um, analogy of the coach, now you have kind of people splitting off of Bernie and kind of still saying those same things. I think that if you're going to be centrist, you need to address the issues that those people have been bringing up mm-hmm. constantly, whether it's 
free tuition or free medical. Um, I think that those things scare a lot of people away, but I think that if you're going to be centrist, you can't completely just push aside those people and ignore them and not reconcile with them. You have to address some of the issues that those people do identify with um, to get them to work with you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, for example, uh, an election and uh, historical example, uh, Wilson, Taft, and Roosevelt. Oh, the Bull Moose Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want to form a Bull Moose Party. Mm-hmm. We don't want to cause one. Don't isolate the. It's the same kind of situation. Yeah. Don't isolate the progressives. Right. Or we're going to get a Bull Moose Party, mm. and Wilson's going to win. You know. Yeah. In the equivalent yeah, in sure. now yes, times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just trying to pull it. No, no, I, th- I think that's incredibly relevant because mm-hmm. I think you have an increasingly call, like more and more people are calling for a third party than I think I've ever, yeah. than I remember hearing. I mean, I'm only 28, so yeah. I don't have a lot of time hearing. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, just our election system makes it, an, and we'll talk about this. Tune into episode two of To the Republic <laughs> to find out why. <laughs> but the. Uh, our voting system will not allow a third party. Right. It just won't to have right. any sort of actual representation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you have the Democratic Party has to figure out. Now, the Republican Party, now parties might die, but there's yeah. always going to be a two-party yeah. system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's either fundamentally change one of the parties mm-hmm. or try to go third party. Mm. And I think that is, we got to keep that as we saw with the the Taft and, mm-hmm. and Roosevelt and Wilson election uh, that Megan brought up that uh, it's third party would definitely be detrimental. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, not enough people know that they won't win. Yeah. Not enough people know that it's third party. Just, it can't happen. Right. You know, or to, or convince those voters that a protest vote is not in their best interests mm-hmm. to, to give Ooh. to, to give to, well, I think that's to, a, a to great put, point to yeah. put up the, Put up to put up a candidate, yeah, that makes people want to vote for them, yes, instead of voting against another yes, person. Yes, I think that's great. I, I think like that, that you saw that a lot is protest votes. That's the problem with mm-hmm. first past the post voting. Something else, I mean, we'll talk about also mm-hmm. is that first past the post voting a lot of times because there's so much because it creates apathy because you're you're like well if you're Repo- like right if you're a Republican in Washington State you have mm-hmm. no hope that a, Rep- a Republican Senate candidate Senate candidate or a gubernatorial candidate is going to win because mm-hmm. it's dominantly re- right. Democratic right so you feel like your vote is wasted mm-hmm. so it creates apathy right mm-hmm. but it also creates protests votes yes mm-hmm. because so you you get you get so many wasted votes in different in different ways mm-hmm. but it, it um, but it, it, it erodes the candidates, I think, that gets all ultimately that get put up mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the position. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's kind of my, my point. Yeah. You guys have anything you want to add? I don't know. Megan, you have any final thoughts, ideas, maybe on the article? Uh, no. Okay. I enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got out everything I thought about. Yeah. Well, you're always welcome back anytime. Oh, thanks. This is a ton Appreciate of fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well... Thanks for listening. Um, tune in next week. What is next week? I don't know. December. W- yeah, it is December. We're, we're working on a Christmas episode, so get keep, ready that, for keep that. that in mind. And for those of you who went cross show and listened to To the Republic, we yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, let us give us feedback on both. Oh, next episode is next episode is going to be December sixth. Yep, it's going to focus on voting and mm-hmm. our voting system mm-hmm. and why it creates a two party dichotomy. Right, looking at the history of. Uh, 
voting under the Articles of, Con- Articles of Confederation mm-hmm. and how some of the arguments uh, from that formed how it ultimately came out you right. know, in the wash when, during the Constitutional Convention. I'm going to bring some social issues. And, we're, and then Jeff's going to bring <laughs> the, the social issues. We're going to talk about what I think you wanted to talk about. Well, what did you want to talk about? Uh, just voter suppression, um, women's vote, African-American votes. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I did uh, some research on uh, voter identifi- mm-hmm. on voter ID laws, mm-hmm. which are just a main tool of voter suppression. Yeah, yeah. It, so. There's one in Oregon I think I've talked to you a little bit about, like mm-hmm. if you're a registered Democrat, you can't vote for the opposite party, mm-hmm. which I view as a type of voter suppression. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll get into that for the episode, but there's a little knowledge for y'all. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, just search Say What You Mean podcast. And don't order Cokes from Mucho Gracias. <laughs> Lessons learned. <laughs> Bye. 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 Say what you